And now, podcasting with pride from a downriver suburb of the greatest city in the world, Detroit, Michigan. Brightsiders. You had to wait a whole week for the second half of the Greg Doyle interview, so I'm going to jump right into some highlights from part one. So I played sports year-round, and because I played sports year-round, um, I was in ninth grade, and my uh, English teacher in ninth grade in Wisconsin said to me, hey, Greg, you, you like sports, and you're a pretty good writer. Have you ever thought about being a sports writer? And until that moment, I'm in ninth grade, or I hadn't thought about it, but... Um, that was one of those light bulb moments where it was just so obvious that at that moment I was a future sports writer. So playing sports as a kid is why I'm fan bases are the same everywhere. Individual human beings are unique, obviously, but in big swaths, the force is the same force everywhere. Fans are, they see the best in their team and how dare you tell them anything else. They see the worst in the other team and how dare you try to say the other team is any good at all. Just over the weekend, I covered a Purdue game and an IU game, and they both won, but I wrote different stories. Purdue was, and granted, Purdue started the year unranked, but by early December, we all realized they're great. They're great. And they were 22-1 and one at one point, number one in the country, the number one overall seed in the country. And then they, they haven't fallen off a cliff necessarily, but relatively speaking, when you go from 22-1 and one, to you go four and four over your next eight games, that's not good. And when your last most recent game, the win I went to against Illinois, unranked Illinois at home, Mackey, and you blow a 24 point lead <laughs> and need, frankly, and I didn't even put this in my story, but frankly, there's a couple calls in the last 30 seconds that took <laughs> away. So I wrote the story that you yeah. know, they won. That's great. They celebrated the Big Ten title. That's great. However, you know, there's, you know, they're going to be judged by bigger things than than a regular season. Matt Painter himself says you get judged by March Madness. Hundred percent. And they're not in a great spot entering March Madness. They're there's not. And I got right. Purdue fans killing me for that. Yeah. Killing me for that. And I've been listen. When I got here, the Indy Star, and even now some Purdue fans call it the IU Star, <laughs> because Indiana IU is the big journalism school in the state. Every state has yeah. one, and that in North Carolina it's UNC. In Florida, it's University of Florida, where I went. You know, every school, every state has, they have journalism schools everywhere, but there's one state that, there's one school that this kind of produces most, and I use that school. So sure. obviously, IU grads are all over the place, including at the start. And because IU is, you know, won five national titles, there's just, there's been more interest. Winning creates more fans. So a lot of people that didn't go to either school grew up rooting for IU because you root for teams to win national titles. That's just human nature. Anyway. I got here and Purdue fans called us the IU star because we care about Purdue more. I mean, I'm sorry, IU more. And to be fair, the guy that had the job before me, in fact, the last three or four guys before me, all perpetrated that. They all covered yeah. IU more than Purdue. All of them did. Yep. I got here and changed it. Like, I'm covering them both equally, and if Purdue's better, I'm giving Purdue more coverage. And so it really offends me to be attacked by Purdue fans as an IU guy and as a Purdue yeah. hater when all I did was write the truth. Right. I, I, that's a long story to say that that, you know, fans are the same everywhere. But every now and then you just like to think that you've earned a little bit more credibility with the fan base. The problem is, is that the fan base is a forest. And I do think a lot of in the forest, they do know who I am because I hear from them sure. over the years. They know me. They like me. 
but the yeah. ones you hear from on Twitter are the angry ones, maybe the Johnny come latelys that don't don't have any idea. Like they don't they don't care that they don't know that I've written more glowing stories on Purdue. I've written so many glowing stories on Purdue that IU fans call me Purdue Greg. Of course. Of so course. imagine being called Purdue Greg by one style <laughs> and being called the IU star guy by the other school. I mean, it's just, you can't win. And that's, and my, my skin is very thick. It's very thick. Yeah. The problem is, is that in this day and age, newspapers are dying. And so, yes. and I've got a job where I'm supposed to generate readers and interest. Yes. It, it hurts me to think that both schools think I like the other school. It hurts me because there's a financial repercussion there that yeah i did that that bothers me because i it, this isn't about yeah. my feelings getting hurt this is about our business yeah. and and my business might be getting hurt and it's not even fair it's not right so i'm brightsiders remember crisis text line needs our support you can donate money volunteer or get the word out on social media and now greg doyle part two I find what you do courageous. Uh, what kind of writers do you admire or who do you have specific writers you admire as you were coming up? Did you have specific writers you admired? Yeah. Um, and a lot of them at sports illustrated, but the, the, my, my, the, my two favorites, one guy informed the way I write, you know, I write the way I write. I always tell young writers when I speak at these schools is, you know, Try different writing voices, long sentences, short yeah. sentences, funny, mad, whatever. Try different things because you don't know who you are yet. Um, I tried, like this guy who wrote for Sports Illustrated back in the late 80s and, and more, named Lee Montville. You know that name? I do. Lee Montville, back then anyway, wrote very short sentences, like really short. Yeah. Kind of conversational, but short, kind of pleasant. And I liked it. And I copied it one day for this school paper. I mean, that style, but I wrote, wrote about something else I saw and it just came out easy. And uh, that's why I tell yeah. students is that, you know, copy some styles you see. And if something comes out easy, that could be because that's sort of your own inherent writing voice. It's, you know, it's like shooting form. You can try and shoot left-handed, but if it just feels better right-handed, then you're probably a right-handed shooter. So yeah. he informed my writing style quite a bit. Now it's evolved over the years. I've gone different ways left. I go short, long, it, you know, it's, it's my own, but, uh, but he's the guy that helped me get started. Uh, Rick Riley, who is at sports illustrated also brilliant, hilarious. Um, but it turns out he's a, he's a jerk. Um, uh, I, yeah, I wrote about <laughs> something. There, there's a school in Iowa called Grinnell. Yeah. And yeah. And yeah. I don't know if they do it anymore, but they used to, They'd make the news, I think it was Grinnell, uh, once a year, they'd have a guy would score 100 points. Exactly. Or a guy would get 38 assists or 100, whatever. Well, Yep, they'd make 53s in a game. Yeah, one crazy. guy. They'd yeah. have one guy do it. And Yeah. So I, uh, that happened one time when I was covering college basketball for CBS. And I was going to write about it. Like, wow, this happened. And as I started looking into it, I realized, well, the team they played was like, a, and Grinnell was Division Two or whatever they were. The Grinnell's a small school. But they did it yeah. to a team that was even like a much, almost like a junior college. Like you did it to somebody, you're a bully. You picked a team that yeah. you knew couldn't stop you, and you used them to get to get attention and fame. And I went back and looked at all the games where the guys had scored 100 points and 95 assists and all that, and it was the same thing every year. And I called one of the schools that they did it to, and they said, yeah, we don't even have – our players have to take their jerseys home and wash them at home because we don't have a laundry facility. 
Sure. So Grinnell was just taking these little bitty bugs and stepping on them to get attention. And I wrote that. Right. It turns out Rick Riley uh, is friends with Grinnell coach. And so Rick Riley wrote in Sports <laughs> Illustrated about what a jerk, or maybe it was ESPN.com at that point, wrote about me being a jerk and, and a killjoy and no fun. And I saw that and thought, are you kidding me? I just laid out very specifically that this school is being a bully to little bitty, little bitty. They're taking candy from babies, and it's not okay. And you think it's okay just because you like the coach? Like, right. This is a job where we have to take out who we like, what we like, and write the truth. Like, I really yeah. like Chris Ballard. I mean, I like Chris Ballard. I like Frank Reich. <laughs> yeah. I like them so much. And I have Same ripped here. them so many times. And and yeah. they'll text me on occasion, um, you know, saying, yeah, you got me, or whatever. <laughs> And they're nice to me about it, but I, yeah, like, people would have no idea how much I like some of the people I rip because you'll never know. Sure, you'll never know. Yeah, and you and and people similarly wouldn't know how much I don't like some people I lift up. Like there are people I right. don't like, but if you have a great game or a great this or a great that, you'll never know I don't like you because my job is bigger than that. And Rick Riley in that moment showed me, you're just like everybody else. You just want people to like you, and this job is not meant for that. No, at all. When you think about those uh, those big time scoring games, sometimes look up Bevo Francis. Did you ever hear of Bevo Francis? Rio Grande scored 113 points in 1904. Ab- <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In the little book, "One Basketball in Glory," I think maybe his coach wrote it. You know, but it's, it's just you know a, a, a lot of pomp and no circumstance. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Oh, by the way, I want to say those, so. Those are two writers, but but there's one more. Um, because now I don't really read. I mean, I read some sports writing. I read some. I mean, I I try to be, uh, up to date. But yeah, I, I don't. Maybe just because I am one, I don't really admire anybody. I mean, th- there's a lot of talent out there. I get you know, but as far as who do I look up to, I, I look up to, and I'm so crushed that he's gone. Pat Conroy, novelist. Yeah, he wrote. The, I mean, he wrote among the Prince of Tides became a movie. So everybody might know the Prince of Tides, Nick Nolte, Barbara Streisand, yep. but he's written seven or eight books and they're beautiful, you know, in writing and sports writing, the, your first couple sentences is called your lead. And yeah. your first, it might be one sentence. It might be three paragraphs, but it's kind of your lead. And that's where historically you, people have always, that's what, that's where you want your best writing to be. Cause you're trying to grab people and all that. And a lot of people, they write their lead really special. And then your story falls off a cliff. Um, but the, but Pat Conroy writes, Every sentence in his books, every sentence could be is better than anything I've ever written in a lead. Ever. He died seven or eight years ago. Well, his nephew, Ed Conroy. Now, Pat Conroy played basketball at Citadel. Played there. He was a good ball player. Um, His nephew, Ed Conroy, was a good ball player and coached at the Citadel. Got fired. And I think he's the coach at the Citadel again. But I think. But in the meantime, he was at Minnesota on Rick Pitino Jr.'s staff. And Richard Patino, and when the Big Ten tournament came to Indy, maybe four years ago, uh, I think it was the 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 last tournament before the COVID. Might even have been the COVID tournament, which got canceled after one day. Um, my advance to advance, hey, the tournament's coming to town. My advance was to find Ed Conroy and write a column about how your uncle is my favorite writer ever, and what are your memories of your uncle and writing and all that. So that was Pat Conroy is my writing hero. Oh, that's great. Really cool. Do you have a process or a regimen for generating story ideas? Hmm. 
Well, I read the newspaper very cl- closely. Uh, so I, so I include, you know, the, the agate, the, the box scores. So I, I look, I look at that stuff, but otherwise, no, I just, I let things grab me. I just let, I let it come to me. You know, I let it come to me. Uh, for example, you know, there's a press conference all the time and, and people go into it. I'm going to write about this. I'm going to write about that. And so when my bosses or our, our, our cult beat writers, Pacers beat writers, IU beat writers, Hey, do you know what you're doing today? No. Cause it hadn't happened yet. You know, what, whatever, whatever's going to happen hasn't been said yet. So I don't know what I'm writing today. So I just let it come to me. Same thing with games. Like uh, people will ask me in the last eight minutes of a game as you know, you're getting close to deadline. Hey, let's, we got to start picking our stories, especially the Colts game. Do you know what you're doing yet? The score is 23 to 20. I don't know what I'm doing yet. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and I, I'll know when it's over. Now, the, the good thing in, in, in a lot of ways that wouldn't work for people, uh, because you you do need to divvy up the stories you do, but yeah. my bosses and and the writers at our paper they know that that you know the way I do stuff you don't have to like it it's fine but the way I do stuff is so unique that there is no stepping on toes like me and somebody else can write about we can both both write about Andrew Luck how well he played and it'll be two completely different stories just because I just. I'm weird. I see different things. I care about different things. I notice different things. I emphasize different things. We're all unique little snowflakes, but my uniqueness is, is more unique than most. So, uh, anyway, so do I have a process? I let it, I let it happen. And if something, something grabs me and I, it's like a pump return. I see a hole and I hit it as hard as I can. And sometimes you go for a touchdown and sometimes you, you get knocked on your rear end and that's just the way it's going to go. Or like a songwriter, you know, they always, songwriters will talk, the best songwriters, they'll say, how did you come up with that song? And they say, I don't know. It came from something and, and out through my hand onto the page. It's so I feel, it's just by feel. And, and I, yeah. and I, I don't mind saying this um, because I, I'm, I'm aware that I'm aware that everybody who, who paints, some people don't think you paint very good and that's fine. But, what I do is art. It's, it's, it's art. Yes. It's art. It's unique. It's art. It's creativity. And, and people don't have to like it. And I'm not saying I'm Rembrandt. You might say I'm painting by numbers and I'm, I'm finger painting. It's fine. But it's, it's art. And so I, it's hard sure. to explain what I do because it just kind of comes out. It's my, it's my form of expression. It's expression. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, can you tell me about Carve? I saw a video of you uh, explaining Carve to a group of kids. And I thought it was fascinating. Yeah. That, that was back when I realized I'm going to be talking when I first got hired, like it doesn't happen as much anymore. Um, but when I first got hired, everybody wanted me to talk at their school. It just, you know, Hey, the new guy in town and would you talk writing or whatever? So I've, I decided I need to kind of, it's too hard to, to think up a new speech for everybody. It's just too hard, especially given that I'm going to say the same basic stuff you know i think what i think and i'm gonna so how can i organize this so i don't need notes in my hand so i don't i don't want to you know i I never want to stand up there and read i I don't want to do that um and i and i want to be smooth so i in my head i came up with an an acronym it was carve and i don't do it anymore um but because i don't don't need to and once you've done it enough you don't need to but i put i put it on the board and i because i'd also i want reader students to see the words carve so c-a-r-v-e you could also do crave, but C was for competition. Like you're all competing. Um, and, and if you're, if I'm talking to a 
college class of sports writers or journalists, your competition is sitting next to you because not everybody in this room is going to get a job in my business. Not everybody will. And a lot of you guys are going to get jobs based on the teacher's recommendations if you don't you know, write for the school paper. Um, or just a lot of you are going to get jobs based on who's writing for the school paper and who's doing what. The guy next to you, the girl next to you, she's trying to write for the school paper. She's trying to cover the basketball team. Are you going to let her? Because she's going to get ahead of you. You know, it's competition. It's, it just is. And if you can't handle it, I get it. But you can't. Then this, this job is not for you. A is about attitude. C-A. A is for attitude. About being humble. The world doesn't like people that, you know, that, 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 that's good at something but knows it. You know, R was um, read. If you don't like to read, you're in the wrong field. You just are. If you don't like to read, if you don't enjoy reading, then don't be a sports writer or any kind of writer. That's that's stupid. It's like if you if you get if you vomit at the sight of blood, don't go into surgery. You can't do that. Yeah. And also, reading gets you better. V is for voice. The thing I mentioned earlier: find your writing voice. The yeah. Lee Montville thing, and then E. Uh, depending on what kind of mood I was in, I would say, and the E is silent, and then I would just be done. But sometimes E. <laughs> Just depending on how I felt, maybe if I had more time, E stands for ethics, which is Very Google nice. doesn't forget. So you guys have social media, uh, writing, you have Facebook, you have whatever. Google doesn't forget. So be careful out there. Have your ethics because you're not going to, there's no single tweet that's going to get you, make your career, but there is a, a single tweet that can end it. So be careful out there. Sure. That is fantastic. Hey, thanks. You'd be carved up if you get that, if you don't get that last piece out. <clears throat> yeah, D stands carved. D stands for Doyle. And, uh, and so whenever, <laughs> whenever people want to spell my name, I enjoy this. You know, how do you spell it? Like just this morning, I'm moving in a few weeks. And so I'm moving. I'm changing my electricity over and all that. Ask me yeah. how do you spell your name? Well, it's first of all, I tell them my last name's kind of weird. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's Doyle. It's D like dummy. And then D O Y E L, not L E. It took it, it took me a while to realize that I can't spell my name D O Y E L, and people hear D O Y E L. They don't hear it. They hear D O Y L E, and I don't blame them. You, yeah, yeah. Your, your brain just goes on autopilot. So I have to tell people, here comes something weird. Hopefully that gets their antenna up. Okay, I'm listening now because you're otherwise you're not gonna spell Doyle right. You have that same thing that I have with John with no H. Everybody's just ready to put that H in there. It doesn't matter. Now, it's a, a completely superfluous H uh, that has no business being in the name John. But, uh, you know, I don't use it. I don't need it. My wife, Sarah, with no H oh, on wow. hers because it's unnecessary. You don't need them. You don't need those H's. I don't think that's why my parents chose that. But, you know, it, it works for me. Names. I don't, are you Jonathan, though? Okay, no. good. Good. Just, I, I've never understood. Yeah. Um, like, I, if I'm going to name my kid Jackson, which I did, I'm not calling him Jack. If I wanted to call him Jack, I'd have named him Jack. So you're Jackson. And okay. so my parents named me Gregory. And it just, the way my brain works, I never understood that. Then why do you call me Greg? I don't, why'd you name me Gregory? Yeah. Are you trying to be fancy or trying to show off? Like, why, if you want to call me Greg, name me Greg. So uh, I'm, I'm Gregory, <laughs> G R E G O R Y. So I, you shorten that to one G. So I was Greg with yeah. one G my whole life until I was a high school senior and I got my name in the paper for a baseball game. I did something and they misspelled it. They put a second G on Greg and I liked it. And actually go. a really cute girl that was my, one of my best friends and really pretty girl. She saw it and she liked it. And I became Greg with two G's ever since. So my, my name is a, my first name's a typo. Absolutely. My first name's a typo. 
and my second name is probably a fact error because I am sure Doyle El is so weird that I, I am sure that mm. whenever the first of my Doyles came over, someone at Ellis Island spelled it wrong. D o y e l. Absolutely, there's, there's no explanation for it. So my entire name is a. I went to <laughs> I went to newspaper writing, and my entire name is is a typo. You ended up with a with a pseudonym in writing unintentionally. Under my, yeah. <clears throat> if you want to read what I really think, I write very cleverly under my ghost name, Gregory Doyle. You would never know. You'll, You'll never, never know. know. <laughs> to switch gears here, please tell me about how Cap, your dog, has changed your life. He's lying next to me right now um, on my foot, kind of. He's so beautiful. He's a greyhound. He's a retired greyhound, not a racer, a hunter. So he's okay. seven. I got him three months ago. So spent his whole life as a hunting dog. He was a worker and not a, not a pet. Wow. So he, he's never been a pet. So when I brought him home, he didn't know what stairs were. <clears throat> and I had to coax him up stairs. And this, I mean, this, this dog is, <clears throat> he's beautiful. He's magnificent. He's a, I mean, a greyhound. He's just built like, uh, I mean, just, it's amazing, yeah. but he, he wouldn't walk up the stairs. And so I had to get behind him the way I thought to do it, get behind him. And one foot at a time, it's trembling. His legs are trembling. Oh. One foot at a time, put the first foot up, trembling, the next foot up, and then my, my, my two legs, my thighs, are behind his hind legs. I then kind of use my leg right. to, to lift up his rear legs one at a time, trembling all the way up. And, and then at, at, after every step, would give him a treat. Now we're at the point where he, he just bolts up the stairs. He runs up them, but he runs up. I live in an apartment <laughs> with three little half flights. And so at the top of every half flight, he's got this long greyhound neck, like a giraffe at the top of every half flight. He turns that <laughs> neck around like the body doesn't move, but the neck turns around like an eel wanting his treat. And he gets one. I just love this dog. And so what he's done for me is he's given me a purpose during the day. You know, my job is a purpose, but I, I don't work 24 hours a day. I get bored. I, I don't think lonely is not the right word, but I, I get bored and aimless. Like, I don't know what to do. And yeah. uh, I don't really have a lot of hobbies. He's my hobby. So he, yeah, he's beautiful. He's my hobby. I love him. That is fantastic. And how were you able to rescue him? So, uh, I've had dogs my whole life. Then I got divorced, moved here, left left our dogs with my ex-wife back in Ohio. So she had a home and I was knew I was coming to an apartment, living alone, traveling a lot. So I couldn't have dogs. So I didn't have dogs. Um, I've always wanted them. I used to actually walk dogs for WAGS walking, W-A-G. Yeah. yeah. I was a WAGS walker for a couple of years oh, yeah. just because I wanted a dog fix. Then um, <laughs> I, I, was dating, I was dating a woman years ago who had a dog and that was very happy for me. And then I'm dating somebody now, my girlfriend now has several dogs, but she had a dog she was fostering, uh, a black lab that's going to be a service dog. And it became too much. It was just too many dogs in there in her house. And I thought, well, I'll take Orchid, the black lab. Let me have Orchid. I'll help you foster her. The thing is you, you foster these black labs until they're a year and a half. And when they're a year and a half, the, they, they go back to their service dog training. They're ready. But they need a good, oh, happy home yeah. for a year and a half and some basic training like sit and you know calm down. So I had Orchid for about three months here for most of it. And realized I can have a dog. I can do this. I can go cover games, leave the dog here. And so I realized I can do it. Sure. And my, my girlfriend knew I could do it. Obviously, it's her dog. Well, when she gave back Orchid to the training people, it was time to go. Um, she knew I wanted a dog. And, and I had mentioned a greyhound. I've heard they're great 
shockingly, they're great apartment dogs because all they do is sleep. Yeah. You, you'd think it's the exact right. opposite. All they do is sleep. And because they're older, they're rescued, they're older, they don't really want to run very much. So right. yeah, you take them out for a few walks a day. And, and anyway, so she found a rescue greyhound that was just for adoption up in Goshen, Indiana, sent me a screenshot of Cap. And he's black with a little bit of gray, but mostly black. Yeah. But shiny black. But when the sun hits it, it's almost charcoal, almost purple. And the photo yeah. was of him smiling with the sun lighting up his brown eyes. And he looks almost charcoal purple in the sun. And I, you talk about love at first sight. It was over. And so I got him and, and yeah, it's, it, it's like, I, I say he's my hobby and that's not nearly nice enough. He's, you know, if, if a truck is coming down the road, it's going to get me not like I'll, you can run me over, but I'm pushing Cap out of the way. Like I, this dog is, he's everything to me. He's I've only had him three months, but he is everything to me. He has wrapped his way all the way around your heart five or six times. He's in there. He's right now coming to me to to pet him. He's, he's so quiet. Greyhounds are so quiet. Like it took him a month before I realized it took me a month. And I told people, I don't know if he has a voice box because I've never heard him. Now he barks a little bit on occasion and he'll whine a little yeah. bit because he's comfortable now. He's and he's yeah. he's kind of kind of aloof, kind of. But when he wants attention, as he's doing right now, he walks up to me and just presents himself, like I'm beautiful. Yeah. You want to pet me? Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, you are beautiful, yeah. and I do want to pet you. That's what he's telling us. It's time to wrap up this podcast. I got two more questions okay. for you, if Cap will okay. allow them. Uh, the first one is: What's the greatest thing you dare to accomplish with your writing? The greatest thing I, I have dared or do dare? The, do dare. If you had a dream of what you could accomplish with your writing, what is it? Um, I, save lives. You know, I, I want, and I don't mean someone's, there's a burning building, go go rescue someone. But I mean, <laughs> right. you know, write, I've written about people suffering from homelessness. I, I've, you know, I've, what I've found in this market, and it could be a similar everywhere, but I, I don't, I've lived in a lot of places and I, Indiana's different. Now, politically speaking, I don't, I don't agree yep. with, you know, it's a red state and I'm a little bit on the blue side. But, um, so the forest isn't really my forest necessarily, but each, the trees, there's some really good trees here. And I've written several stories over the years, several with about Jim Irsay and food drives and raising, you know, and, and water drives for Flint, Michigan and, and homeless people that I've written about and, and, young families trying to adopt. And I've, you know, I've written sports is just my excuse to write about people. And when I write these stories, Indiana comes to the rescue and says, you know, you're trying to lift this person up. How can we help? Just small example. And it gives me chills thinking about it is uh, there was a AAU tournament in here in Fishers. And it was a Midwest travel tournament, basketball, and the guy running it. And there was a team from Flint, Michigan was, was coming to play. And so there's like a hundred teams here, one from Flint and the, and the, the organizers talking to the Flint coach about the water crisis, which was like, at that point, this is two years ago. At that point, the water crisis was three or four years old, something like that. I, I could be off by a couple, by a little bit, but the, it was old news and people weren't, weren't, it was no longer getting talked about. And so the guy from Flint saying it's, but it's still happening. People are just, they've moved on, but now the, the water is so poisonous that 
they're having to redo the yeah. pipes. Like it's, we don't have clean water. People don't realize that. So this organizer decided I'm going to, among the many things I'm going to do is, is if you bring water, you can get in for free to these games. If you bring a case of water or more or whatever to donate to Flint. I heard about that. I saw that tweet, called the guy and asked, let's talk about that. Let let me help you. Let me write that in advance, not after the fact. Let me write it in advance because I know what Indiana will do. And so I wrote it in advance, like here's what he's doing, okay? So then I I came out the next day to bring my own water and to see see what had happened. And I get there and um, there's an 18-wheeler over his shoulder oh. and it's half full of water. And he said, I came here with a wow. minivan thinking I'll fill my minivan up. And we've had to get, you know, you see what we had to get. And I said, that's yeah. amazing. And he goes, yeah, the first two are already on the road to Flint. They filled two, <laughs> he filled two 18 wheelers, filled them. Do you know how much water it takes to fill an 18 wheeler? That's a lot. And so, you know, I, did that save lives? No. I, so, I, but, but, and I, I just wrote it. It was his gesture. You know, I'm just the microphone and that's all I'm going to be. You know, I'm not going to save anybody's life. I'm not going to do open heart surgery, but, but maybe I can write a story about something that generates money to, you know, whatever. So that, yes. that is my most audacious goal is to change lives by spreading messages that change lives. That is as good as right. it gets, Greg, right there. That is as good as it gets. Uh, last question. Do you have any bigger pri- writing projects you're working on? No. Um, no, I've written two books, as you mentioned. Neither one's any good. They're both sports books, formula books. They both <laughs> fell into my lap. I wrote them because, you know, I want to have written a book. It's like Ernest Hemingway once said, someone asked him, do you enjoy writing? And he goes, no, but I enjoy having written. Um, now, yeah. I love writing. I love sports writing. I love it. Yeah. It's my favorite time of day is to write a story. I love it. Writing those books was not yeah. fun. It was just work. And I, I learned that I don't like this. I, you know, it's just like I write for a living. In my spare time, I don't want to write a book. I don't want to. So I don't really have any big projects in mind. Now, when I retire, you know, maybe um, if I had, I don't have the imagination to write fiction. I'm blown away by fiction. I read fiction every night, but I don't have yeah. the imagination to write a 400 page. So no, I don't have any, I don't have any uh, big plans like that. But I do have, I do have one big goal. Um, it's ridiculous, you know, but it's out of my control. Let's it's out hear. of my control. But um, you know, when I first got here, I, I heard that the Sagamore, the Wabash, is the biggest civilian honor they give in this state, and, yeah. and people get it for all kinds of reasons. All kinds of reasons. In fact, one guy I wrote about Cleveland Harp was an usher. Uh, for Pacers games, but he played for the Globetrotters 50 years ago. So here's this guy, played for Globetrotters, went to Christmas Attics, played for Globetrotters, is one of the reasons, uh, one of the thousands of people that built basketball up to the point that these guys make 10, 20, 30 million a year. But this guy's an usher at Pacers games, making whatever ushers make at age 80. Because, but they're making 30 million a year, and he's an usher. And I wrote about him, and uh, Governor Holcomb saw the story and, and gave Cleveland Harp a Sagamore the Wabash Award for contributions to the Very state nice. and all that, which is, I mean, you know, Cleveland died a couple years ago, and but that was wow. that was big for Cleveland, right? And uh, anyway, 
I want a Sagamore of the Wabash. I, I want one, but I want to, uh-huh. you know, I want to uh-huh. earn it. I don't want someone to, sure. but I would like when I'm done or before, but I would like when I'm done that whoever's in charge and this being a red state, you know, probably a Republican and maybe, it, maybe they've read a few <laughs> things I've written about black lives matter and they might, it might never happen. And, and maybe I don't deserve it anyway, whatever. But I, I just, as outlandish as it sounds, I would like someday for someone to say, you uh you were good for indiana and we're going to recognize that that's what i would like that is amazing that you would share that i I think it's awesome i think it's an admirable goal and i hope you stick around indiana uh that's how you'd get it done you got to stick around stay stay a hoosier make it your longest uh uh spot that you've lived in and uh, it sounds like you've you've grown pretty comfortable with. Yeah, it. Yeah, I've so. had the chance to leave. I could go. You know, I, as long as I have paper to work sure. for, I'll be here. I'll be here. That's outstanding. That's good for everybody. Greg, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for the heart you put into the stories you choose to tell and the way you tell them. Brightsiders, you can find all of Greg Doyle's wonderful work at IndieStar.com, which will be linked in this podcast. You can find his books at Amazon. He's also a great Twitter follow at at Greg Doyle Star. Remember, that's two G's in Greg and Y-E-L in Doyle. And thanks for sharing some of your light with us, John, Greg. thank you. Two things. One is I, I don't know if they can find those books on Amazon. If you can, wow. You know, okay. <laughs> if you can, wow. Uh, if, if you can't, you're not missing anything. Um, but the the... My work is behind our, what we call our paywall, you know, um, that's part of my job yeah. is to generate subscribers. So, but we yes. always, and I don't even know how we're going to make any money off this. We give it away. Like, Hey, here's six months of Indy star for a dollar. Oh, great. That's going to yeah. pay my salary. I, I don't know how we do that, but <laughs> my point is if, if you want to read one of my stories, it's going to ask you to subscribe, but just check out how cheap it is. And, uh, and you're supporting local journalism and never mind me. Like the Indy star is the place that like Larry Nasser is no longer molesting girls. He's in prison because the Indy star did, the exactly. Indy star did that. Um, we, yep. the Indy, our people on the news side do so many things for the community. They change the world. So you're supporting that kind of work and we're not going to be around forever. We're just not because the, the world's changing. It doesn't, it doesn't want to read what newspapers do. It wants to read what they want to read, but what you want to read is not changing the world. It's just telling you what you want to hear. So we need support. So please, when you bump into my stories, it's not the worst thing in the world to subscribe because we're, we're trying to help the city and the state. Absolutely. Please do that. Bright siders. Thanks very much, Greg. John, thank you. Well, bright siders, Greg combines four things we should all want in the people who write about our favorite sports teams in their communities. He's smart. He's courageous. He's honest. And above all else, This man, Greg Doyle, has an enormous heart that he wears right there on his sleeve. The great sense of humor and the ability to self-reflect are just bonuses. Greg doesn't want a Sagamore of the Wabash Award. He wants to do so many good things for his fellow Hoosiers that he's earned the award, whether it's ultimately bestowed on him or not. Think about that. And keep looking for the bright side of things. Thank you for listening. If you dig it, do it. And if you really dig it, do it twice.
Yo! Bring that fire, trench baby! Hey, fuck all the talking, you want me, come give me my niggas, don't care if y'all little niggas toting He wanna argue and text when I catch on my side, man, I swear he be different in person I'm trying to stay out that way with just me and the gang, I be busy, I'm running up tokens Fuck all the distance, just send me the Eddie and my niggas slide to something like lotion Fat, 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 five, five, sixes, he got the leaning like he off the potion He on the floor, steady begging for life, he was coughing up blue while we laughing and joking I'm really sliding in something that's stolen, I had to talk to my brother, I'm chosen I'ma get rich and I swear I'ma show him, he sick, keep rapping, so I'ma keep going Exploring the city and getting it popping we scattering all like a human of roaches Fuck all the hoes, bro, I'm trying to stay focused It ain't no love, I ain't showing emotion Broke all the body and he just been itching When we in the street, we just caught in the rolling Something like windows, we sliding, they open Janitor the boys with a wet him and soaked them Fucking with hoes and me thinking with dicks But I guess you ain't heard about medicine, she wrote it Chilling with demons, I skillin' for free If a bag in the air, do you know they get on it? Never stay lacking, forever stay posted And I remember them nights, you know, they're not lights But I swear we ain't never had motion Caught him at night, he was at a green light But he knew if he grabbed me, the doctor, I saw him Get in that room and start talking and folding I was in I'm getting thug in love with that money, my paper was thick in the folders I'm on my way to the top, but I keep getting stopped Cause the devil could grab my shoulder I be up thinking that night, so confused about life It had changed ever since I got older Fuck that, dude got your pipe Hop out that hoop and start up and blowing And he got the running from losing his life 30s and 40s, I'm tired of the talking So don't bring bodies, it's something I like Coming to shoot, I ain't coming to fight You just be talking and you never bothered If you really bothered, I'm coming at night Shout out your buddy, he next to the angels And he really bigger than all of the fights I gotta switch it, I'm towing the dike Riding the shockers and getting some money I come from a struggle and riding bikes Me and my brother, we forever thuggy You know we the toughest, you rolling the dice